Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I want to preach on something that I've not spoken on for a long time, but I'm excited to speak to you about today. A man with an interesting name called Mephibosheth. And Second uh, Samuel chapter 9 Um, Let me read this to you. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show in kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I might, I may show the kindness of God to him? Wow. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machia, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machia, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant has said to him, all that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah and all who lived in Ziba's name, sorry, all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Now, there's a bit of a backstory to this that you might not be familiar with, and that's in 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. And obviously, for the sake of time, I can't go into all of it, but the backstory is that Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled, and as she fled in her haste, she fell, and he became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. So Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, and his grandfather had, uh, Jonathan had died in battle, and actually Saul, uh, severely wounded, fell on his own sword, and, and there was this powerful cocktail of, of fear, and, 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 and that essentially lies because there was an assumption, like I assumed that the problem was the mic, there was an assumption that because Jonathan 
and his father had died that, that um, they were gonna come for Mephibosheth. And, and he was five years old. So up to being five years of age, Mephibosheth was able-bodied. He ran around like other kids. He was normal like other kids. But, but then because of the lie and the fear, his nurse picked him up and ran with him. And in the ensuing panic, Mephibosheth was caused life-altering injuries. Now there's lots that happens in our life that is our fault. But there's some stuff in life that happens to us. It happens to us. It's not our fault. And what I love about this story is the unfolding story is that, that Mephibosheth was in Lodibar and, and he had no understanding that his voice was being mentioned in the palace. He had no concept that someone somewhere was talking about him. I want to say to somebody here today that you, you, you think you're hidden, you think you're unseen, you think that nobody knows where you are, but God can cause your voice to be heard in places you've never been, uttered from the lips of people you have never seen. And the truth was that, that although we can get excited because we know the end of the story, uh, we, the unfolding story for Mephibosheth was, was uh, something different because he'd lived his life in hiding. He'd lived his life afraid, always knowing whose grandson he was, always knowing that someone someday might discover where he was. He didn't form this idea himself. There was people around him who would uh, be whispering to him, telling him that we need to keep quiet. We need to keep quiet about who you are. We need to keep quiet about whose you are. And, and Mephibosheth lived his life believing lies about David. He lived his life believing that David was out to get him. David was out to kill him. When in truth, it was from David's lips that he said, whom, is there anyone left of Saul's household to whom I can show kindness? Could it be possible that some of us have lived our lives believing some lies about God? We, we, we know about God, but, but we have lived our lives believing lies that, that, that God somehow is after us. God wants to knock us down. God wants to, God wants to um, kill us. But actually, God is seeking us out to show us kindness. Mephibosheth lived in Lodibar. There's just something about that name. You know, like, low Dibar. Even as you say it, things are real low in low Dibar. It's like, 
If you weren't depressed before, you just need to go to low the bar and you will be low. And you know what? It actually lives up to its name because low the bar means no pasture or not having. It also means a place of no word or communication. And we read there that David said, is there still anyone left of Saul's household? Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar and they sent for him. And, and I want to say, I want to say that <laughs> although at this moment, because they didn't see fit to unpack the story to Mephibosheth, no one sat him down and said, don't worry, this is all going to be fine. For all Mephibosheth knew, he could have been heading to his death because he didn't know how this story was going to play out. But I want to I wanna remind us that, that, that God knows who you are and God knows where you are. That's why we don't have to stress. That's why we don't have to strain. That's why we don't have to put our name out there trying to publicize ourselves. Because when we serve the Lord, when we serve our God, He is the one who can make a way even where there is no way. And God wants us to understand just as He saw Mephibosheth, He can... God can put it in somebody's heart to show kindness to you. God, must, God can put it in your heart to show kindness to somebody. It's like God says, I see you. I see you. I know you. Other might, others might have forgotten you, but I know you. The king sought out Mephibosheth. And I want to say we have a God who seeks us out to show us Kindness. Mephibosheth did not come boldly into the presence of the king, firstly because he would have been afraid. He thought maybe this could have been his, the last of his moments on earth because his mind was filled with a lie. He said to David, he said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I. See, Mephibosheth was physically crippled, but he was also emotionally crippled. There's lots of things that could have damaged him emotionally. He grew up without a father. He'd been crippled by the actions of others. He'd been crippled about where he had been raised. But however he got there, Mephibosheth saw himself as a dead dog. I mean, I'm not sure that it's possible to have a lower opinion of yourself. His, his legs were an outward affliction, but and that, and that was obvious. That could be seen. His crippled legs could be seen. But the, the affliction that was more dangerous was one that couldn't be seen. And that was his mindset. His mindset was his most dangerous affliction. Because the truth is, you can have crippled legs, but with the right mindset. 
You can, you can live a better life than someone who has healthy legs and a crippled mindset. Life and Lodibar had ravaged his view of himself. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but maybe, maybe that's your story. May life, maybe life and where you come from, the things you've experienced, the things you've gone through has ravaged your view of yourself. Living, feeling like you need to apologize for your presence. Living, feeling like you have no value. You live life with a deep yet silent cry. Will you love me? Will you accept me? Will you love me? Will you accept me? Some of us, we feel, we, we, even, our, even our service can sometimes come from this place. Even our generosity can come from this place because it has the appearance of service and it has the appearance of generosity, but yet it comes from a place that is saying, will you love me? Will you accept me? I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I did this, you'd love me. Maybe if, you, if I, maybe if I did that, maybe if I said what you wanted to hear, you'd love me. Maybe if I did that for you, you'd accept me. And you know when it's coming from the wrong place because it's when you, you, you serve others and, uh, and, uh, and you expect to get a result because you know what? If someone did this for me, then I know I would be happy. I know I would show gratitude. But when you, when you do it for others and it does not give you the results that you anticipated, you'll find resentment building up in your heart. You see, we can only talk about restoration if we're able to receive. It's one thing to talk about restoration. It's one thing to talk about the possibility of restoration. But just because restoration is on the menu, it doesn't mean that I'm able to receive it. I've got to have a heart that is able to receive. Just because I know that something is possible, it doesn't mean that I can embrace it. See, God may have a heart to show me kindness, but what if I have a heart that rejects that kindness? You know, sometimes we long to have someone show us some love. We long to have someone show us some respect. We, we long to feel valued, but we've trained ourselves not to expect it. And too often, too often when that comes, we bat it away. 
Someone says, oh, you did a really good job there. And you say, oh, well, it was nothing. We rob ourselves of the joy of being affirmed. You, you, you rob yourself of the very thing you long for. Someone pays you a compliment about something you're wearing or something I'll never hear. Here, your hair looks good. You might say my beard looks good, I don't know. But thanks, thanks so much. But, you know, it's like, we, I mean, I've, I've, I've said this before, but it's so easy, you know. Um, you know, someone says, oh, that's, that's, that's a nice jacket or that's a, that's a nice dress. And you go, oh, no, this is old. Or I got it, I got it on sale. I got it cheap. And it's like, well, no one was asking that. We didn't, we didn't, you didn't. The way, to re, the way to receive a compliment is thank you. We don't need to know how much you spent. We don't need to know what, what you're afraid you, you're afraid that we are gonna think you've got some money. Well, I only got it cheap, I got it from a charity shop. No, it doesn't matter. You know, you, the fact is, wherever you got it from, no matter how much it costs, you look good in it. And some of us, in the same way, we find it difficult to receive a compliment. We find it difficult to receive the kindness of God. God wants to heal the heart that has learned to reject what it needs to receive. God wants to heal the heart that has learned to reject what it needs to receive. And I, you know, I talk, amen, thank you, you got it. What I talk to you about is stuff, is from a place that I've had to learn. I've, I've gone on a massive personal journey in this whole area. And I know what it is to, to be in the crowd and feel like nothing. I know what it is to be in the crowd and feel like I have no value. I was, I was brought up in an environment with very little affection or affirmation. And I taught myself how to not appear to not need affection or appear to not need affirmation, the inability to receive affirmation, the inability to receive personal contact. I thought, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, even when I was caught in, um, Lynette, there's an old-fashioned word for you that no one, yeah, uh, yeah, there speaks a man with daughters. It's funny, yeah. Sorry, I, I, let me think. When, when I was vibing with Lynette, I, back then I didn't know I was vibing, but we were vibing, you know. And I had, you know, we even, even to, to hold hands was an issue for me. I know some of you sat here know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you sat here have got no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm here for those who know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, to, to, to just have 
any show of physical affection, even to hold somebody's hand, my instinct was to pull away. If someone touched my shoulder, my instinct was to pull away. And, and I realized, obviously, that this, that this is not normal. This is not normal. And, uh, you know, they, I, and I, you know, went, started going to a church. You know, I, I came to the Lord, started going to a church, uh, this church, as was back then. And, uh, you know, people gave hugs. Men gave men hugs. This is not something I'd experienced before. And I had to embrace the fact that what I, the way I was responding was not right. And, and I, I'll be honest to you, not for me. See, I, I came from a generation or generations of people who did not know how to give or accept affection and affirmation. And, and I had to come to a place of saying, well, now I am in the position where, you know, we, we, we even despite the lack of hand-holding, she still married me, she still went for it. And, but, I, you know, and we had, we had children. I had to learn, I, am I gonna pass on what has been passed on to me? Or am I gonna pass on what the cross has handed to me? So that, so that my kids had a different story. And I want us to understand today that the cross has birthed a new breed of Baxter. The cross has birthed a new breed of Baxter. I, if, if you could look at it, if you saw it on the timeline, if you saw it on the continuum, you'd see that at the point of the cross, the next generations have a different story. I, listen, I'm not saying that my kids are issue free. They're absolutely not. Some of you know them. But, but the point is that they've not, they've not been, there's some of that stuff that has not got to them. Because of the power of the cross. The cross was a defining point. The cross makes me a new creation, a new species. I'm not just an improved version of what was, I'm a different person, a new creation. That's why our children can have a different story. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the cross. This is not fantasy. This is not illusion. This is truth. That is reality. That no matter what you were handed, you do not have to pass to your children. I'm talking about the rubbish stuff. There was some great stuff I'm sure you were handed that you can pass on to your kids. And, and you know, even some of the rubbish stuff you've been through, you can pass the strength that you've acquired because God has a habit of turning the mess into something beautiful, bringing beauty out of ashes. But David went to get Mephibosheth. And he brought him out of Lodabar because there's just some things you can't hear in Lodabar. When you've lived in Lodabar all your life and you're surrounded by Lodabar people with Lodabar thinking, there was no point 
in having a conversation with Mephibosheth. There was no point in talking to him about the possibilities of the future because he did not have the capacity to hear what God had got for him, what the king had got for him in Lodabar. He had to get out of Lodabar. He had to be repositioned. There are some things that you need to hear, but you will only hear them standing in the palace. You've got to be in a different environment. I want to say there's some things that you need to be in church to hear. I want to say that again. There are some things that you need to be in church to hear because you need to be in a different environment. You need to be in an environment of life and hope and freedom and healing. You need to be surrounded with people who've got a testimony, who've, who've got a story, people who God has provided for, people who God has made a way for, people who have had their mind healed and their bodies healed, people who've been set free. You need to be in an environment because you're not, you might hear the words in Lodabar but you do not have the capacity to, to receive it. You know, that's, that's why I need to get to church and I need to get into the presence of God and I need to get to, into, to hearing the Word of God because the Word of God is gonna transform your life. I don't know what you've come to listen to today, but if you've come to hear just a nice little account, a nice little story, a nice little filler in that is gonna get you through the day, then maybe that's all you will receive. But I want you to know that is not what I am carrying. I am carrying the Holy Ghost and I am carrying the Word of God. And that Word has the power to transform your thinking, to transform your mind, to heal your heart, to heal your life, to give you the freedom that you long for, but you've gotta get out of Lodibar. Turn to someone and say, get out of Lodibar. I need to get into an environment of faith to give myself a fighting chance. I need to give myself a fighting chance. No, those people are saying, oh, you know, all I need is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need any of that. I just need Jesus. Rubbish. Rubbish. You're talking rubbish. If you've ever said that to me and I smiled at you, it was because I didn't have the confidence right then in that moment to let you know what I was really thinking. But I'm hiding behind this pulpit right now and I'm hiding behind this microphone and I'm taking the opportunity to, if I've ever said, he was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking rubbish. Because you do need Jesus and you do need the church. And whether you like it or not, you need us. You need me. You need the person you sat next to. You need the person that you don't like in the next row. And you avoid sitting next to you because we are the body of Christ. And like it or not, this is who God has chosen to be the manifestation of Jesus Christ on the earth. You don't have to like it, but you do have to love it. You do have to love it. Because it's not just about getting out of Lodabar. It's about getting Lodabar out of you. And I'm sorry 
There are too many of us who say we love Jesus and are very, very similar to the one who found Jesus. Oh, I've not come to, I've not come to make friends this morning because next week my wife's preaching and the week after that I'm on holiday. So it's all good. I've not come to make friends this morning. You, you, you just need to understand that some of us are too similar to the guy or the girl who said yes to Jesus. And you do not represent the incredible, powerful, anointed, life-changing, extraordinary, miracle-working, life-giving, freedom-imparting message of the cross of Jesus Christ. I am not a slightly improved version of the one who came to Jesus. I am a new man, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God is making a declaration for some of us that we may have lived in a place of no communication, but God is declaring now it's time to talk with kings. Now it's time to talk with kings. I declare it over you and I declare it over me. Now is the time. Now is the time. We have been in a place of lack. We have been in a place of no communication. But now is the time to walk with kings. Now is the time to talk with kings. Lodibar teaches you not to dream. Teaches you not to dream. My God, some of the communities we have served this week, some of the people we have served this week have been taught not to dream. My God. We need to remind ourselves that God does not just love the people in the church. God loves everyone. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He loves them all. He loves everyone you served. He loves everyone who was grateful. He loves everyone who wasn't grateful. He loves the people who are nice to you this week. He loves the people who are rude to you this week. He loves the people you like. He loves the people you don't like. And the king summon Mephibosheth. The king is changing our environment. It's time to walk in the palace. It's time to dream again. Part of our job is to get people out of Lodabar into the palace because in the palace you can dream. In the palace, you're surrounded by possibilities. You're surrounded with people who know how to walk in a palace, who know how to live in a palace. Instead of walking with people who only know about Lodabar, you need to let go of Lodabar. You need to let go of Lodabar thinking. It says, then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson. Basically, the king restored what had been lost and secured the future. I don't know, I'm talking to Today, but God is a God who will restore everything that's been lost and will secure your future. What I love is that God didn't just restore uh, Mephibosheth's life. He sent people to help him. Can you believe today that God isn't just looking to restore your life, but he'll, he'll send your people to help you get there. He loves you that much. He's not leaving you on your own. He's not saying, oh, come to me and sort yourself out. He says, don't worry. 
I'm going to pe put people around you who can help you. I'm going to put people around you who can help you rebuild your future. You come from a place of loss. You come from a place of lack. But I'm about to show you another way. And I'm going to put some people to you who are going to model a different way in the name of Jesus. They're going to show you a different way to live. They're going to show you a different way to speak. I love the fact that, that David sought him out. You know, he had believed his whole life that he would live in the shadow of his family name. He believed his whole life that his name would rob him of the future. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, whether it's here in this room or whether it's on the podcast, but I'm telling you now in the name of Jesus, it was same for Mephibosheth and it's same for you. Your name will not rob you of your future. God has got you. But there's something more important than Mephibosheth getting his stuff back. And it's hidden here, it says, but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Verse 11, it says, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Like one of the king's sons. Like one of the king's sons. How did I get here? How did I get here? Do you know where I come from? Do you know what? Do you know what my upbringing was like? Do you know what my family was like? How did I get here? Oh my God. I'm in the palace. I'm in the palace. Oh my God. I'm in the palace with the king. People are serving me. I think of myself as a dead dog and people are serving me. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 8 says, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He is the father of the fatherless and gives us a new identity. You know what Mephibosheth means? Mephibosheth means dispeller of shame. It means the shame is gone. The shame is gone. I, I, I walk into this palace today and, and I hear that I no longer have to carry the shame that I've lived under my whole life. I want to say that Jesus and the cross has taken our shame so that we don't have to carry it anymore. In a moment, we're going to celebrate together by partaking in a meal that remembers what Jesus has done for us, remembers the price that He paid, remembers what He has done for each one of us. But it reminds us that I don't have to walk in shame anymore.
can take off the shame because Jesus has paid it off. In fact, He's taken it off you. But the problem is that some of us, we just put it back on. We wear our shame because that's all we know how to do. We just wear our shame. We just wear our shame because that's me. I, interesting thing is that I get to sit at the king's table I get to sit in the presence of the King. And in the presence of the King, the dead dog from Lodabar begins to fade and the Prince emerges. The Princess emerges. It takes me a while to grasp it because I'm not used to this. I'm not used to being accepted. I'm not used to being loved. I'm not used to being honored. I'm not used to being received. It feels uncomfortable. I, I know how to do rejection. I know how to do lonely. I know how to do sad. I, I know how to do depressed. I know how to do afraid. I know that. That stuff feels comfortable because I wear it every day. But you're telling me I can sit at the king's table and no longer carry my shame. It's interesting, Mephibosheth's legs were not healed. Because even those of us who've been on the road a long time, you know, I've loved Jesus for more than three decades, but I've still got stuff, man, you know. Still got stuff, still got brokenness, still got stuff I'm working through, still got stuff. Yeah, I've got stuff that I'm thinking, what really, even after all this time, got stuff. The thing was that Mephibosheth was no longer defined by that. His legs weren't healed, but he was no longer defined. by his condition. See, the thing is, they used to say, they used to say, oh, here comes the cripple. Look at him, here comes the cripple. But now they say, here comes one of the king's sons. They used to say, they used to say, hey, here comes that drug addict. But now they say, here comes one of the, the king's sons. They used to say, they used to say, isn't that that prostitute? But now they say, wow, look, the princess is coming. The cross takes you out of the cheap seats and puts you in the royal box. 
And you see, too many of us, we sit in the seats and we say, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. It's okay, I, I, I'll sit here. But, but God is trying to get us in the royal box and you say, no, 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 not me. Let someone, let someone else go, let someone else go. Let, let somebody else go in there because I, me, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I, I, that's not for me. That's, do you know where I come from? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I did? Do you know what I did? And that's the thing right there. That's the thing right there. It's no longer about what you did. It's about what Jesus did. And what he did was enough. We've sung it, and I'm going to say it. It is finished. It is finished. But I have to choose to believe so that I can receive the kindness of God that is on offer today. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.